Prime Minister Narendra Modi's meetings at the SCO summit, where he stood shoulder to shoulder with Putin, Xi, Erdogan, and Raisi, impact India's ties with the West, or has New Delhi mastered the art of all alignment? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Heather, and we're coming to you from Samarkand, Uzbekistan, and this is the iconic and historic Registan Square. Now, Samarkand, of course, known as the crossroads of a number of silk roads in the past. Today, the venue of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization's Council of Head of States, where Prime Minister Modi met with a number of leaders, a host of regional strongmen, whom the London Times even derisively described as an anti-West club of dictators, something they, of course, denied. Now, Prime Minister Modi joined the eight-member SCO group, which is four Central Asian countries, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, and Tajikistan, as well as China, Russia, India, Pakistan, the newest members. It was a summit of many firsts. So let's just take you through what were all the firsts of this summit, the first in-person summit in three years since the COVID pandemic had broken. They held them virtually in these last two years. And the first conference anywhere that Chinese President Xi Jinping had attended. It was also the first such conference that Russian President Vladimir Putin attended since the war in Ukraine began. So many meetings there with the leaders were for the first time. It was the first time that India was handed the baton of the SCO. It will host the SCO summit just like this in 2023. It is the first summit that Iran was inducted into and Belarus is next on the membership track. And the first time that Pakistan Prime Minister Shabazz Sharif attended such a conference, and he came, he's, he's just come into power in the last few months. The first such visit also after the flood situation that has left 1,400 people dead, millions marooned in Pakistan. So there were a lot of takeaways coming from the SCO summit, uh, but mainly we'll just look at the multilateral takeaways, and then we'll take a look at what Prime Minister Modi and India was able to achieve on a bilateral basis. So the first is the multilateral track and in that SEO meeting, first a restricted meeting after which there was a broader meeting where we heard those speeches, there was firstly an agreement on terrorism, on building a consolidated list of terrorist entities in the SEO region. The second on climate change, a joint statement for the first time on tackling climate change, very important given Pakistan's troubles with climate change and the flood situation. The third, an agreement on an action plan for what is called the Treaty on Long-Term Good Neighborliness, Friendship uh, and Cooperation between all the SCO countries. The fourth, and this was something Prime Minister Modi actually proposed, India to chair a joint working group on innovation and startups and talking about health tourism as well as alternative health mechanisms. The fifth, uh, that Varanasi was designated as the tourist and cultural capital of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization for 2022-23, which is when India will host the summit. Then there was the induction of Iran and an agreement that Belarus will be members, as well as look at the dialogue partnerships, because these will eventually lead to memberships. And it's clear that the Central Asian-Eurasian grouping is spreading towards West Asia and South Asia. So Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Egypt... Dialogue partners, agreement on Maldives, Myanmar, Kuwait, Bahrain, and the UAE to join as well. So let's just take now a look at the bilaterals. And really the photo ops of this summit came perhaps from those bilateral meetings. The big meeting, of course, was with Russian President Vladimir Putin, the first since the Ukraine war, and Prime Minister Modi, and he really discussed that. Prime Minister Modi said in memorable words that the era of war has ended. 
Mr. Putin said, as he had to President Xi as well, that he understood the concerns of India, as he had said about China, and that he was trying to bring the war to an end, then putting the blame really on the Ukraine leadership, saying they don't want to come for talks at this time, something, of course, they deny. The second big meeting with the Iranian President, Ibrahim Raisi, focused on Chabahar and energy ties. In particular, Iran wants India to restore its oil imports that it had cancelled under the threat of Russian of US sanctions in 2018-2019. And of course, says now that you're standing up on Russian sanctions, so maybe time to stand up and, and take back some of those oil imports from Iran. Then the big meeting, unexpected one, with the Turkish President, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, obviously very tense ties between India as well as Turkey over uh, Turkey's statements on Jammu and Kashmir. But this was a first. They discussed bilateral trade and cooperation. And finally, with the Uzbekistan president, Mirziyoyev, where they discussed Chabahar, connectivity and more trade. So what are the downsides? You know, we talk about the SCO as this grouping that India is part of. And it is a broad partnership. It is uh, eight countries, very powerful countries. This in India's Eurasian region, connectivity to Central Asia comes through in it. As I said, these are uh, nuclear powers as well as the fact that this is an area where India can sit with Russia, China, and other countries that really impact the region, Afghanistan, for example. But what is the other side to it all, and and, and why do people suggest that perhaps we should uh, take another look at India's membership? of the SCO. Uh, so the first is really that it is all alignment. And when you say you are going to be in the quad, you're going to be in the SCO, it means putting your feet really in different boats. It's a very difficult balancing trick, if you like. You're annoying Western partners in the quad, in the I2U2 as well. You're standing shoulder to shoulder with really a lot of dictators, authoritarian countries versus the other ones which are coalitions of democracy, values shared between them. Also, you're dealing with sanctioned countries, Russia, Iran, Belarus, China. This could signal problems for India down the road economically. Uh, there's also the problem of inbuilt rivalries within the SEO. Of course, India and Pakistan, India and China, within Central Asian countries as well. Now, at the summit, remember, Prime Minister Modi didn't actually come for the informal summit. He skipped the dinner. He skipped uh, any kind of social gathering with the other leaders. He skipped eye contact during the two photos that we saw with both uh, Prime Minister Sharif as well as President Xi. And, you know, we did see that the Prime Minister did not, I wanted to avoid really being seen with them. He didn't have any kind of structured bilateral meeting with them. Then you see the fact that the SEO talks on terrorism, but there's no walk on the same day. That the SEO brought out that declaration on terrorism. We saw China uh, move to block a proposal by India, really, to designate a Pakistani terrorist, Sajid Mir, there at the United Nations Security Council. Uh, now, in an interview to the Hindu foreign minister of Pakistan, Bilawal Bhutto said that he also believes that Masood Azhar, which is wanted by India and India believes is in Pakistan, is actually in Afghanistan. He said uh, that Sharif and uh, Modi had not met at the summit and that Pakistan had not asked India for any assistance during the floods. He even cast a doubt over Pakistan's participation at the SEO summit next year. So a lot of conflicting signals coming out of this particular SEO. However, here's what he did say about the future of South Asian cooperation when it comes to climate change. He said South Asia is a victim of climate change. It's time to get together and deal with the developed world on a, on a sort of joint footing. Listen in. 
جہاں تک موسمی تبدیلی کا سوال ہے اور جو ہمارے یہاں قدرتی آفت کے نتیجے میں ایک سلسلہ چل رہا ہے آج پاکستان ہو سکتا ہے کل بھارت ہوگا پرسوں کوئی اور ملک ہوگا کوئی ایک ملک اس قسم کا نیچرل ڈیزاسٹر کو اور موسمی تبدیلی تبدیلی کا مقابلہ نہیں کر سکتے اور اس کا قصوروار نہ پاکستان ہے نہ بھارت ہے نہ بنگلہ دیش ہے نہ سری لنکا ہے یہ وہ بڑے بڑے ممالک ہیں جو اپنے انڈسٹریلائزیشن کرتے ہوئے اپنے آپ کو امیر بناتے ہوئے ہمارا کلائمیٹ چینج کو نقصان پہنچایا ہے کابل کے نتیجے میں اور اب اس کا نقصان ہمارے عوام ہمارے غریب عوام جس کا کانٹریبیوشن نہیں ہے مثلاً پاکستان کا تو ون پرسینٹ آف کاربن امیشن سے کم بھی ہے تو ان کا قصور نہیں ہے لیکن نقصان وہ بھگت رہے اور میں سمجھتا ہوں کہ جو قیادت ہے باقی ممالک کے ہم ہم جیسے ممالک کے ہمیں اس پہ سوچنا چاہیے کہ ہم کیسے مل کے ان بڑے ممالک سے بات کر سکتے ہیں کہ ہمیں اب اس آنے والے وقت میں اپنے آپ کو تیار کرنا ہے اس قسم کے قدرتی آفت کا مقابلہ